0: الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على باده الذي نصطف. أما بعد، فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدئنهم سبلنا. صدق الله العظيم. سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المنسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين. اللهم صلِّ على سيدنا محمدٍ وعلاء آل سيدنا محمدٍ وبارك وسلم. اللهم صلِّ على سيدنا محمدٍ وعلاء آل سيدنا محمدٍ وبارك وسلم. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadi wa Ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammadi wabarakuussalam. Wa we praise Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala for He's the one <coughs> worthy of being praised, and we send peace and blessings upon Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, upon his family and his progeny and his wives and his companions, and all those that followed them in their ways. <coughs> so last week we kind of uh, we did a few names, and they were all connected. So we did. <coughs> Anyone remember what we did last week? Huh? Uh, we did Al-Basit and Qabid, yeah, so Al-Qabid, Al-Basit, and? You guys remember? No? Come on, right? Not even week to week, you guys remember what we're doing? <laughs> qabid, Basit, and then we did Al-Khafid and rafi' right? So Qabid and Basit, Qabid was the one who contracts, right? And the Basit was the one who expands. Now, we're not going to go into, you know, reiterate everything, them because that would take the entire lesson again Uh, and from there we went on to Khafid and Rafi' so Khafid and Rafi' are two names which are connected to the next two names which are al Mu'iz and Mudil. Khafid and Rafi' Khafid is the abaser and Rafi' is the exalter meaning the one who the one who humiliates and the one who uh, raises in level, right, in, in status amongst people. Or the one who brings people down in status and the one who raises people in status. So the next two names are Mu'izz and Mudil. Mu'izz is the one who honors and Mudhil is the one who humiliates. So you can see how it's kind of connected, right, these names are connected. So what does this mean, Mu'izz and Mudhil? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, He says in Surah Al-Imran, قُلْ Uh, اللهم مالك الملك تؤت الملك من تشاء وتنزع الملك من من تشاء وتعز من تشاء وتذل من تشاء بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير So Allah سبحانه وتعالى says, He commands the Prophet ﷺ, He says, say that Allah is the one who, Allah is the one where dominion of the entire kingdom, He gives it, He gives that kingdom, He has dominion over the kingdom and He gives it to whoever He wishes and he takes it away from, the dominion away from, whoever he wishes. man and he gives honor to whoever he wishes, and he humiliates whoever he wishes. Biyadik al to him belong or to you belongs all good, innaka qadir, and you indeed have power over everything. So these being connected, we'll kind of go through them a little bit quickly. Basically, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, based on our obedience to him. He will raise us or He will humiliate us. If we are not obedient to Him, if we, and obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also in regards to the way we treat others, the way we treat individuals, people around us, how we live our life in comparison to the rest of the world. Right? Are we pleasant people to be around? If we are not pleasant people to be around, no matter how much status we might have, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove that from us. He will remove that honor and He will humiliate us and if we forgo the rights of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then allah ta'ala will give he'll give respite and before he seizes us right before that qabd comes before he seizes us however if we humiliate others if we are cruel individuals if we oppress others then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he does not grant us as much respite because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his mercy is his compassion is much more uh, dominant than his wrath and as we'll get to other names also of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He has this patience with His creation. And that patience is that despite us doing bad, He gives us respite in order that we might repent from what we're doing. But when we have wronged other people, Allah ta'ala will still, He might give us respite, but it won't be as long. He won't give us as long a rope as if we only forgo the rights of Allah ta'ala. So we cannot be deceived into thinking that, you know, I am fulfilling my rights to Allah by praying and fasting and doing all these other things, but I'm being cruel to other individuals. Because that being good, having goodness to other individuals is in line with our rights owed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. Right, and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is warning us in this, or He's informing us in this verse, that He's the one that gives this dominion, dominion of the land and honor to whoever He wishes. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has different reasons for it. These things, everything in the world is a test. So we might be given something of the world. We might be given dominion. We might be given status and honor. And even that is a test that how do we, how do we honor that status? How do we conduct ourselves despite having that status? Are we going to become arrogant? And if we become arrogant, Allah ta'ala will humiliate us. And sometimes Allah ta'ala will uh, have a test for us. Where it looks like people are turning against us when there's no need for them to turn against us. They, they try to humiliate us. And there's no need for them to do that, right? So we're not in the wrong, but it seems like we're getting humiliated. This also is Allah Ta'ala raising, uh, this is also Allah Ta'ala testing us. Right, and so like there's a hadith wherein Abu Bakr radiallahu was once sitting and a man came, one of the hypocrites, he came, you know, somebody who outwardly professed Islam but inwardly did not. He came and started slandering Abu Bakr And Rasulullah he was sitting there and Abu Bakr stayed quiet. And the Prophet sat and he listened, but he was smiling. And when Abu Bakr started defending himself, then the Prophet got up and walked out. So when Abu Bakr asked Rasulullah about this, that why is it that when this person was slandering me, you sat and you smiled, but when I defended myself, then you got up and left. So the Prophet informed him, he said that when this individual was slandering you and you were exercising patience with him, meaning you kept silent, you were exercising patience, I saw the angels come down and start to defend you. So how were the angels defending him? Because not that the angels were responding on his behalf, but these angels of mercy were coming and they were keeping the izzah of Abu Bakr, the honor of Abu Bakr, alive and apparent amongst the people. But when he started to defend himself and he started refuting this individual. Then what happened? The angels left because they said, well, if he's going to defend himself, there's no need for us to defend. And so what can be understood from this also is that in our time, what happens? Sometimes we'll be quiet and exercising patience when people are slandering us or yelling at us or saying something to us. And then when we start to respond, our anger gets the best better of us. And we start responding, not only defending ourselves and explaining the situation, but we start responding in a way that is not befitting of ourselves. We let our anger come out of hand. And what happens, you guys may have witnessed it before, that people will, everyone else that's watching, they have a certain level of respect for the individuals exercising patience. But as soon as this person starts responding and his frustration, his anger gets the better of him, those that are standing around, they might make excuses that, you know, the person who is the the victim here, yeah, he, you know, will make an excuse for them and say, well, you know, you have to understand that this person was being ridiculed and whatnot. But in our hearts, we feel like, you know, we saw this individual act in a way that was not befitting, right? Act in a way that was out of character, that was not good. And it was lesser than the status of this person demands. So this is what's meant. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's the one that gives you honor and He's the one that uh, humiliates other individuals. We can see, even these examples we've given before, how much of the world is trying to debase Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How much of the world is trying to humiliate him? But what's happening? He's not being humiliated. People are still accepting Islam. The more the the world has this negative propaganda against Islam and against Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the more people accept Islam. Because now people will start to investigate on their own, that what's the reality of this? All these people are having this propaganda against Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. However, there's so many people that adhere to this religion, you know, there must be something more. They'll go and start researching, talking to people, seeking the truth, and they will also come to love the Prophet ﷺ. You can see, you know, the example of, from the seerah of Rasulullah ﷺ, the Quraysh, they were trying to, constantly trying to humiliate him, telling everyone that came and went that this person is a sorcerer, he's a soothsayer, he's a poet, uh, he destroys families, causes disunity in the families, breaks families apart, but what were they doing despite all of that? When Rasulullah was forced to leave Makkah Mukarramah, when he was exiled, what happened? The Quraysh came and they said, we're going to assassinate him. Now we have to assassinate him. We have to kill him. Before he leaves, most of his followers have left. They've taken refuge in Madinah Munawarah Now we have to take him out before he leaves and then Islam is allowed to spread. And so Rasulullah he went on his hijrah, right? He left secretly with, with Abu Bakr Anhu, But he left Sayyidina Ali Anhu in his home. Why did he leave Ali Anhu in his home? Because he said, he could have said, okay Ali, you know, you come with me also, I'm leaving, there's no need for you to stay here. But he left Sayyidina Ali radiallahu because all those people of Quraysh who were leveling these accusations at the Prophet wasallam, they still left their belongings with him. Like we have a safety deposit box, right, in the bank. We might have some valuables and we put those, we put those things away in the, in the vault of the bank. Things for safekeeping. They didn't have banks and safety deposit box. So what would they do? Back then, they used to take an individual that they trusted and they would leave the belongings with that individual. So despite all the Quraysh saying all these things about Rasulullah and trying to come and kill him, they still trusted him so much that they would leave their valuables with him. So he left Ali there and he said that when these people come, don't worry, they're not going to kill you. They won't do anything to you because you're not me. And when they come, then you give them all their valuables back. You give their trusts back to them. So despite these same people trying to kill Rasulullah and leveling these accusations, Allah Ta'ala was Mu'izz and he was continuously giving the Prophet sallallahu more honor. And he was humiliating these people. Imagine, imagine if I say, oh, look at this guy. He's like such a horrible person and, you know, he's so so wretched and he's this and that. And then you find out that I've left my most valuable things with him. Why? Oh, well, I trust him. If he's a wretched person, why do you trust him? Right, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that gives honor. There's a verse of Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So okay. number one, Imam Ghazali, he says that the one who makes greed his master to where nothing satisfies him, and the one who is deceived to the point of ignorance and blindness, then Allah snatches dominion away from him. So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mudil, meaning he is the one who humiliates people, that he makes the greed of an individual the master of that person, right, to the point where they want to covet everything, they want everything, and that greed is what pushes them. And if greed is what is driving you, eventually you're going to debase yourself. People will see you for your animalistic nature. Because he says then, to the point that greed goes to the point where nothing satisfies this individual. And the one who is deceived to the point of ignorance, they think they know but their deception has completely veiled themselves and blindness. So ignorance and blindness, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala snatches dominion away. So this is also a step-by-step process. If you are greed, if you have greed, and you allow that to go out of control, then you will begin to deceive yourself. You deceive yourself into ignorance and blindness, and once that comes, then Allah ta'ala snatches dominion away. This is also, we can witness this when talking about ilm also, knowledge, that people have so much ignorance, so much ignorance that, like Shaykh Hamza Yusuf mentioned once, that it's ignorance, it's compounded jahala, compounded ignorance. The, the level of ignorance people have is compounded jahala. Why? Because they're not even aware of what they don't know. They think they they know everything. How many times do you hear people coming and saying that um, you know this is how it is? They try to make everything in Islam black and white. This is how it is, this is haram, this is required, mandatory. Whereas it's not the case. There's very, very few things that are completely black and white in Islam. Very few things. And that's the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But these people try to be so rigid in their approach, they become blind to knowledge itself, to they become blind to their own ignorance. And when these type of people are present in front of us, usually their status amongst people starts falling, right? The basis of how others view us, that's not what is considered to be honorable or humiliation, but how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala views us. Because much of the world today, a lot of people are honored by the world, but they hold no weight in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala thinks nothing of them, because He's displeased with them, right? Individuals that we might we might honor them and whatnot, right? Because usually we honor individuals out of their status and fame, celebrities and this and that. Whereas like, you know, the, the, the life of most of these celebrities, it's not something that's very respectable, right? Not all of them, right? And we mentioned before that we shouldn't look down on anyone. Last week we mentioned, we shouldn't look down on anyone, right? But, so not to look down on anyone. However, the lifestyle that a lot of people are leading are not things that are, are not respectable lifestyles, yet we honor them. Why? Because they're popular because they have fame, they're famous. You know, like we have Facebook now, so, oh, this person has 10,000 likes. Great, like what does that really mean? You know, that doesn't really mean anything, a person has 10,000 likes. You know, like you, what you can do is, a lot of people have um, public profile accounts. You can switch your, you can, people will make friends on Facebook, right? You go and you request a friend. A lot of people, they just, whoever requests them, they accept for various reasons. There's no problem with that, okay, necessarily. But if you switch your, your Facebook account to a, a public profile account, what you can do is what happens is all the friends that you had, so 5,000 friends, turn into likes, right? You guys know how the public profile page works, right? No, so you have a public profile page, nobody can befriend you, but they come on and they like your page, that's what happens. Now, if I have a personal page where people request friendship, if I convert that to a profile, public page, then all of those friends get converted into likes. So it looks like, oh man, look at how many people came on and said they like this individual. In reality, 10,000 of them were friends that I made before, right? So we cannot, the benchmark of a person's status and honor cannot be what people perceive, but what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perceives. Now how do we know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perceives? The only standard we we can use is how much taqwa is in this person's life, outward taqwa even, right? Because we can't judge a person's inward. We don't know a person's inward, so we have to judge outwardly. But if we don't hold true to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he will humiliate us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran that they, the hypocrites, will call out to them, the believers, right? He says, uh, that the hypocrites will call out to them that were we not with you. The believers will say, Bala, that yes, of course. That they will say, Yes, you were, but you led your souls to a wrong way. And you kept waiting for an evil end to the Muslims. You kept waiting for an evil end, right? So this is talking about the hypocrites. Hypocrites in the time of the Prophet Those who outwardly professed Islam, but inwardly they weren't Muslim. And they were cons- constantly conspiring against, uh, against the Prophet and whatever, right? Especially in the times of warfare, they were divulging information to those that were at war with them. Uh, uh, and the verse goes on, Allah subhanahu wa Taala says, But you led your souls to a wrong way, and you kept waiting for an evil end, and you remained in doubt. And you were deluded by the different fancies and desires of this world until Allah's command came to pass, and you were deceived about Allah by the big deceiver, meaning Iblis. So, no ransom will be accepted from you today, nor from those who, uh, nor, nor from those who disbelieved. And your abode is the fire. So, what happens? This verse is explaining to us that on Yom Al Qiyamah, right after the Day of Judgment, when Allah, when Allah Ta'ala has separated people into Jannah and Jahannam. Those that were hypocrites will call out saying that were we not with you, meaning we, we came to the masjid and we prayed with you and we, you know, we did everything we used to do because the hypocrites used to do all these things, right? The hypocrites also used to make their salah five times a day in the masjid because outwardly they were showing Islam. However, the response to them will be, yes, you were with us, but you allowed yourselves to be deceived by Iblis, by the devil, and he is the big deceiver. And you allowed your souls to run away to all the fancies that you wanted. Right, you allowed greed to take over your nafs, and so for you is an evil end. And there is a uh, a quote regarding from Ali bin Hussein, right? So who is Ali bin Hussein? Not not Hussein bin Ali. So there was Ali anhu and his son Hussein, and then Hussein radhiAllahu his son Ali, right? He named his son one of his sons Ali. He named several of his sons Ali, right? So he says, so this is the grandson of Sayyidina Ali He says that if one desires to be honored even though his tribe is not distinguished, or to be uh, held in high esteem, even though he has no authority, or to be wealthy, whose wealth does not diminish, should get out of the humiliation of disobedience to the honor of obeying his Lord." Typically, these things that are mentioned is what we use as the benchmark for honor. What, is it? what did he mention? He mentioned that uh, a person whose tribe is not distinguished, a person who, like their family is not a distinguished family amongst people. They're not uh, held in high esteem, they have no authority, because usually a person of authority is held in high esteem, is, is thought to be honorable. Or a person has a lot of wealth, right? Whoever wants this status, so what does he say? Whoever wants to be honored even though his tribe is not distinguished. Or he wants to be held in high esteem even though he doesn't have authority. Or he wants that wealth whose wealth never diminishes. Monetary gain, money these things diminish, right? Be it in the form of gold and silver and dollars or oil, these things diminish, right? But he says that those who want that wealth which never diminishes should get out of the humiliation of disobedience. Telling us that your humiliation is because of disobedience, even if you are honored amongst the people. So if, if the people view you uh, respectfully, but you disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if privately, then in reality you are, you are nothing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. People might view you as someone great, but if you are disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even in the privacy of your own home, then you will eventually have be humi- you will eventually face humiliation. So come out from that and go to the honor of obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then even if the people view you as lowly, but you are obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in everything, right? So what did we mention? Hukukul ibad, hukuqullah. Hukukullah, those rights to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ibad, those rights owed to people. Right. And Hukukul Ibad also comes under the branch of Hukukullah because if you are cruel to individuals, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is displeased with this. So if you come to the honor of obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then Allah Ta'ala will honor you even if the people are displeased with you. And then he brings a verse wherein he says, Innaladina, you had dun Allaha wa fil that indeed, those who opposed Allah and His Messenger, they are the adhilleen. They are the ones who are dishonored. And those are, they are the ones who are humiliated. Anybody have questions? Before we move on to the next names. No? Alright. So, the next couple of names that we'll do. Wait, what name was that? Those were al-mu'iz and mudhil. Meem Ayn, Zain, and mudhil. Mim Dal Lam. So the next couple of names, typically the ulama bring these two names together because their explanation of each of them is very similar, and these two names are As-Sami and Al-Basir. So there's a bit of aqidah that has to be understood with these two names. As-Sami is the All-Hearing, and Al-Basir is the All-Seeing. So <clears throat> Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala he says am anna la nasma'u sirrahum wa that do they think that we do not hear their whispering their secrets and their whispers bala of course we do of course we hear it and further than that we have messengers by them to record whatever it is they say and do so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here that we, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears everything. And if you think, like know that Allah ta'ala hears everything, and beyond that, He has appointed two angels with us that record everything that we do. So, al samiah is the all-hearing, and al-basir is the all-seeing. Sami'ah means the one from whose perception nothing audible is removed, even if hidden. And al-basir is the one whose the one whose vision or perception, nothing escapes, even if it is hidden. Right, this means whatever secrets, things that we whisper, things that are even more subtle. So what Allah Ta'ala hears, the thoughts of our hearts. He hears all the atoms of the void. Now, we think, you know, that uh, you guys heard the, the, the riddle, right? The question that if a tree falls and no one's around to hear it, does it still make a sound? So what's the answer? <laughs> yes. Right, of course, it does. It makes a sound because our hearing is not like Allah's hearing. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala's hearing is absolute and perfect. He doesn't need any tools or instruments to in order to hear. Nor does he have any limbs to hear. He doesn't have an ear, right? And so, this we have to understand about the attributes of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, because Allah Taala has said, "Leesakamithlihi Shay." There is nothing akin to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Absolutely nothing is like him. This is a verse of Quran. This is the basis of our entire aqidah, right? One of the foundational points of our entire aqidah. So we cannot say, well, Allah Ta'ala says he's sami' so he must have ears. He says he's basir so he must have eyes. Right? Wajhullah, wajh in Arabic, one of the meanings of wajh is face. Wajh also means like half a dozen other things. So because Allah Ta'ala says wajh, that means he has a face. Because rijal, foot is mentioned, that means he has a foot. Because yad is mentioned, it means he has a hand. All of these things in Arabic are... Uh, are common metaphors or they have different meanings so we cannot say that because Allah ta'ala mentions some of these things in the Quran that means he has these limbs because the underlying factor is the other verse of Quran Laysa nothing is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this means anything we can perceive Allah ta'ala to be that is not him if we picture Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whatever we picture that is not Allah so we can never ever ever be able to understand what the ru'ya, what the vision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be. Right? Because if our if our mind can perceive it, that means it's not Allah, because our mind cannot grasp Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because he says, كَمِثْلِهِ shay. Nothing, absolutely nothing, is like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our hearing and our vision is limited, is limited to what makes a sound nearby us and to what we can see in front of us openly. Right? So there's a difference between our hearing and seeing, and Allah Ta'ala's hearing and seeing. Yeah. yeah. that it's not even it's not like to our attentions but something we kind of control sometimes like our oh, minds is thought of it. Do you think it's sinful if we picture you know like cause it's not that we want to but then suddenly it came to our mind like oh it's
1: yeah. no I'm so if
0: it's like a no if there's a verse of Quran that talks about something similar to this right that if you if you have a thought of a sin for example right. Like a sin. I'm not saying this is a sin. But if you have a thought to sin, and it's a passing thought, and you ignore it, right? You seek istighfar even though you didn't do it, and you try to ignore it. You're not held accountable for that. So we shouldn't try to picture Allah. Yeah, once in a while it might happen, right? Because our mind is like that. That's how creation is, right? We, uh, we use our imagination. And shaitan comes to us and whispers. So sometimes thoughts come into our mind. So you're not held accountable for that. But if you, you know, what you don't want to do is try to, uh, dwell over it, because you will not be able to do it. You will not be able to understand uh, and perceive Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, right? So if it just comes to you, it, try to ignore it, um, and and uh, remember this verse: shay. And then whatever comes to your mind, just know, okay, this is not Allah. Yeah. In a broader context, are we held accountable for our thoughts? Um, not necessarily, right? Not necessarily. Like, what type of thoughts do you mean? No, so like we said, right, if it's like a passing thought, or even it's a recurring thought, um, and it just comes to us, we're not accountable for it. But if you do things like dwell over committing a certain sin, right, you might think, oh man, you know, I, I wish I could only do this. We shouldn't ever wish to sin. But sometimes these thoughts come to us. If we try and imagine it and picture it and plan it, that becomes problematic. Because eventually that leads to sin, Right? And this is typically mentioned in regards, you know, like people will, um, they have their shahwa, they have their lust and whatnot, and they allow that ima- their imagination to go wild with that. That is something that is inappropriate, and that would be then desiring to sin, and desiring to sin is a sin also, right? So if it's just a thought, then no, it's not, you're not sinful, you're not accountable for that. Yeah. Make the intention of a good deed; it counts as a good deed, and then if you do it, it counts as another good deed. But if you make an intention and uh, for a bad deed, it does not count as a bad deed, and then if you do the bad deed, it counts as the bad deed. Right. So So, there's some explanation to this, right? Yes. If you intend to do a good deed but you don't do it, you get reward for it, and if you do it, you get you get more reward, right? If you intend to do a sin but you don't do it. Not only do you not get the sin, but you also get a good deed for not doing it. Then there's something called azimah. Okay? Azima is beyond intention. So one is niya intention, and azimah is like having complete, being completely adamant on doing it to the point where you have already taken, un, taken the steps to do the sin. So for example, you think, I'm going to go to such and such a place that I shouldn't be in, right? Uh, I'm going to go, for example, I'm going to go to the bar and I'm going to drink, right? Allah protect us. And if you think, okay, I'm just going to do this. But you're sitting at home and you say, you know what? No, I, that's, that's wrong. I shouldn't do it. You get rewarded for not doing it, right? And that's actually, this is what jihadun nafs. This is the greater jihad, striving against your, soul, your, your lower self. So you get a reward for not doing it. But if you leave your house and you're on your way and you get into a car accident, and so the only reason you're not able to go is because you get into that car accident then you get, your, you're accountable for that, right? Because you went to do it, and because of an outside factor, out of your control, you were stopped. But even if you arrive at that bar, and you walk in and you say, no, you know I'm not gonna do this, and you turn around and leave, then you don't get, you're not accountable for that, you're actually rewarded for refraining from it, right? But is it because you took physical steps towards it, or? Yeah, it's, it's because you actually started it, right? I mean, it could, it could even be you decided I'm going to go and you're about to leave your house and then something happens that keeps you there for, out of your control, right? You walk outside and your tire is flat and you don't know, you know, you can't fix it, right? You were on your way, like you were, you were already set in motion to do it. So the, the, it, you have to be set in motion on your, on your way. So like, yeah, you have to take a physical step basically, right? Um, yeah, so that's the difference between nia and azima, right? So azima is like, You're already set in motion basically. Then you're you're accountable for for it even though because you're you were stopped, not because you stopped yourself, but because an outside factor came and stopped you, right? Car accident, police Mm -hmm. ticket, whatever it was. You know what I mean? Right. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he or Imam Muzad he mentions that Allah ta'ala hears everything, he sees everything, right? And he doesn't need any tools. To see it, Allah Ta'ala does not have a, a see it or hear it. He doesn't have a physical body, and so, without any organs or ears, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala hears everything. Right now, our our hearing, there can be a barrier that blocks it. If it's too far away, we won't hear it. Right? If it's too quiet, we won't hear it. If there's another noise, then we might not hear it. Right? If these two whisper in the corner, I might hear them. But if you guys are talking louder, I might not hear their whisper. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala hears everything and. The manifestation of the sound is all the same to Allah Ta'ala. It doesn't matter how loud or how quiet it is. There was an incident where the companions were traveling with Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and they came over a hill or something and they started calling Takbir Allahu Akbar really loud. And the Prophet said, like, why are you guys doing it so loud, right? And he said, we want Allah to hear us. He said, don't worry, like, it's not... <laughs> Allah Ta'ala is going to hear you regardless. You know what I mean? You don't have to, like, lose your voice over this, you know? And so... Uh, our ears, our hearing is limited. Similarly, with our sight. Our sight is, can be veiled. You put something in front of us, we're not going to see it. Right? If something's too far away, we won't be able to see it. And if you put a hand or something is too close, you also won't be able to perceive it. right? Look at, like we read on our phones. If you bring it right up to your face, you're not going to be able to read anything that's on there. So if it's too far, we can't, we can't, we can't see it. If it's too close, we also can't see it. Right? And we can't see through that thing either. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears everything, sees everything. Describing even He he hears the sound that that tiny little ant makes when it crawls inside the crevice of the rock on a dark night. Even that sound Allah Ta'ala hears and even he sees that ant, right? Again, without any organs or without any tools or instruments. And then our ears or whatever tools or instruments we might use to hear or see, there can be, it can be faulty, it can come to an end. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, His hearing and His seeing never comes to an end, right? Never comes to an end. So Imam Ghazali, he says that hearing is Perfection, this attribute of as-sami' is perfection because the opposite of it, deafness, is imperfection. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the absolute most perfect being. Therefore, He hears because to not be able to hear would be a deficiency and that is not appropriate for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And He says that uh, we should elevate the all-hearing. We should elevate a Sameh, we should elevate Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, exalt him above changes which happen to him when audible sounds occur, and exalt him above hearing by ears or by tools and devices. Right? Or and even he speaks about this again for Basir, that exalt Allah ta'ala above like colors and shapes and these types of things. Because colors and shapes and any audible sounds that might you know bounce off of anything else, right? If you're in a room, your sound travels and it bounces off the walls, it bounces off the valleys, the mountains, the streets, the car, whatever, right? Sound is always bouncing off of these things. And sight is what? The reflection of colors. That's all sight is, right? Our sight is the reflection of colors. And so, we have to exalt Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above these things. We cannot say that, oh, if it, could color be thrown onto Allah? Right? What, what if sound was there? Like, would it bounce off of Him? You can't say these things. Why? Because this would imply change taking place with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And change entails creation. If something changes from what it was, that means it is a creation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not a creation, He is the creator, right? Therefore, Allah ta'ala does not change at all. So this seeing and hearing, these were attributes that were with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always pre-eternally and will be with Him post-eternally. And they were ne- there was never a time that He did not have these attributes. If he had to, just like Alim, right? He always had absolute knowledge. If we say that he did not have absolute knowledge, right, or he did not know and then he learned something later on, that would mean that he is a creation because he was not with this quality. A change took place, took effect on Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and Allah Taala is above these things. So, Imam Allah He says that his hearing is the same as an attribute by which the perfection of qualities of things heard is disclosed. So his hearing is an attribute by which the perfection of something is disclosed. Similar with his sight, it is a attribute by which the perfection of perceiving that thing is disclosed, right? And he says that the perfection of this quality will become evident. If we exalt Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above these changes and everything, then the perfection of this attribute, of this quality will become evident to us. And then he says we have to be absolutely careful and take extreme caution in considering this matter, exalting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above these things. Because if we don't, then we will inevitably fall into anthropomorphism. What's anthropomorphism? Anthropomorphism is attributing bodily uh, features to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, saying that Allah ta'ala has a hand, physically has a hand, right? Even if we say, oh well Allah has a hand but we don't know how he has a hand, that's still anthropomorphism, right? That's, I mean, you're still defining it. You can't say, well, you know, what is a book? A book is something that has words written in it and has a message. But I'm not saying what a book is. Right? If you say, oh, Allah has a hand. But I'm not saying what, you know, how He has a hand. So I'm not defining it. You, you've just defined it. But then you've just said that I'm not defining it afterwards. That's all you've done, right? So all of these verses in the Quran also speak about wajhullah, right? Wajh, as we mentioned, translates to face. But when we say wajhullah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that everything on the Day of Judgment will perish. Except for wajhullah, except for the waj of Allah Ta'ala. It's not even appropriate for us to say in English except for the face of Allah. It's rather translated as the countenance of Allah. Because if it was to be taken literally, and people use this and say that, see, it means Allah has a face. That means that what everything on that day is going to be, gone, perish, except for Allah's face and the rest of his body goes away also. He's without a body, right? He's without a body. Allah Ta'ala speaks about yadullah, yad translates to hand. It also translates to power, control, dominion. Right, So Allah Ta'ala mentions that the, the Yad of Allah was over the believers right? when the Bayat al-Ridwan took place at the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, When the, the Sahaba, when the companions took Bayah on the, uh, on the, ha- on the hands of the Prophet to avenge the, 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 the rumored death of Uthman Allah Ta'ala says we were pleased with the believers that day and our, hand, our Yad was over them. What does that mean Allah Ta'ala's hand physically came down and was over the believers? No, you can understand it means that Allah that was pleased with them. It's just like if I go to my, to my, to my wife and I say, oh, uh, let me give you a hand with the dishes. That doesn't mean I'm going to physically give her my hand, right? It means I'm going to help her out, <laughs> right? So if we can understand it in our speech, why is it impossible to understand Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala's speech also? right? So all of these verses that look like there might be some type of physical attribution to Allah, the, the ulama had two policies with this. In the the time close to the companions, they used to make what's called tafweed. They used to not make any type of interpretation on it. They used to say that this is, uh, we believe in the verse, we don't know exactly what this, this wording here means, but we believe in it because it's a verse of Quran, and we don't delve into it. Later on, as the Muslim empire expanded, people, their iman was not strong, they didn't know how to understand these verses. They started saying, oh, maybe it means Allah has a hand, maybe it means he has a face, maybe it means he has eyes. Then the ulama said, we have to make... We have to interpret. And the end of the era of making tafweed, of not interpreting at all, and the beginning of the era of ta'weel, to interpret, there was a big, there was a divide amongst those scholars. The people of tafweed, the earlier scholars, said, How could you guys be doing this? You know, you're, you're getting into shaky waters here. And the people of Dawil of interpretation, said, We have to do this to, in order to protect people's iman. So we have to tell them now that yad, most likely here, it means Allah that was pleased with them. Waj means the countenance of Allah, the dominion of Allah. Otherwise, they're going to start thinking that Allah has a physical, you know, physical face and a physical body, right? So Imam Imam uh, Imam Huzali, he says that make sure we exalt Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala above these things. Otherwise, we'll fall into anthropomorphism. Then they bring the ulama bring some verse some uh, points from Imam Razi Rahimullah, who said that don't try to understand how Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala hears and how he sees, rather. Uh, don't don't try to understand how it is accomplished but rather what the quality entails. So don't try to think of the kayfiyah. don't try to think how does Allah hear how does he see but try to understand the reality of the hearing and seeing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah ta'ala cannot be judged or compared to his servants and his slaves because there's no common denominator there's nothing right all, the only thing we share with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding these attributes these features is the name of it. So Allah ta'ala is sami' he hears okay we have ears we also hear Beyond that, there is no similarity, (laughs) right? Because Allah Ta'ala's hearing and seeing is completely absolute, right? Whereas ours is limited. It can be, as we mentioned, there can be a deficiency in it. It can be uh, finished. It can end. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala doesn't. Things can be hidden from us. Nothing is hidden from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Ulama also say that uh, some can also mean something accepted by Allah. Because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that, I seek refuge in you against a statement which is not heard. So he said, Ya Allah, I seek refuge in you against a statement that is not heard. And Allah Ta'ala hears everything. So it doesn't mean I seek refuge in you against a statement that you can't hear. No, so it means against a statement that you don't accept. So I seek refuge, protect me from saying anything that would be unacceptable to you. Right, so Sam can also mean acceptance. Um, uh, then the ulama mentioned that there's four aspects to uh, Sam. One is to hear. Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قَدْ سَمِيَ اللَّهُ قَوْلَ فِي زَوْجِهَا That uh, indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala heard the statement of the one who complained to you about her husband. right One of the companions, female companions, she came and complained to the Prophet something about her husband. So from this we understand that some, sam- sami' it means that Allah ta'ala hears. Another verse of Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَقُولُوا تَقُولُ that, uh, oh you who believe, do not say ra'ina, but rather say unzurna, wasmaw, and listen. Rather say, take care of us. Ra'ina, now what happened is, uh, some of the people of the Jewish tribes, they came in Medina Munawra, and they were trying to deceive the Prophet So they would say ra'ina to the Prophet And in Hebrew, ra'ina meant, uh, it was like type of curse. But in Arabic, it means take care of us. So they would say this in order to kind of, you know, joke and jest about the Prophet That, oh look, it looks like we're, you know, trying to, uh, uh, honor him and this and that, but we're actually jesting with them. Now, the Muslims, they didn't know Hebrew, but they heard the Jews, Jewish people saying it, and they, un- they recognized, oh, Ra'ina is the same word we have. So they started saying it to the Prophet also. And then Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse saying, don't say Ra'ina, rather say unduruna that take care of us, and then listen to him. So then the Sahaba realized, like, oh, this is not actually, it means something else in Hebrew, right? So it means to from this we understand that uh, we that some also means to understand because allah ta'ala says unduruna wasma'u wasma'u means hear but understand what the prophet sallallahu alaihi is saying and then rasulullah sallallahu uh, it also means that allah ta'ala answers because in a hadith the prophet sallallahu he, he supplicated to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala many times saying allahumma isma that O oh allah listen and he meant O oh allah answer my prayer and then he would a- give give a dua mm-hmm. another verse of quran allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says sam'auna lil that this means to accept. So, in the, where the Prophet says, Allahumma isma, it means answer my dua and samma'una lil meaning he, uh, uh, that they listen to the lies, right? Meaning, this was a verse regarding the, the people, like the hypocrites, who sat with uh, the, the people who disbelieved and would jest and joke and, and mock the Prophet ﷺ. They would sit with them and listen to them and then they would um, not stand up against it. So سمعونة, they listen they listen well to the lies leveled against the Prophet ﷺ. That meaning what? Not only that they listen but these hypocrites they are accepting the lies that are made against the Prophet ﷺ. So some, some also means to accept. So four things it entails to hear, to understand, to answer and to accept. Um, <coughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says regarding Basir, he says, La tudrikuhul abusar, wahua, yudrikul abusar that they do not, they are not able to, um, they are not able to to understand or perceive sight, whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala perceives everything. Right? So this is that quality of Basir. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to see everything. Uh uhmal ma shtum innahubima ta'maluna basir. Allah ta'ala says, uh, do whatever you want. For indeed, He, uh, he is all-seeing of what you do. So whatever we do, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees it. Now what is the counsel? The counsel of Samir. Now these, this is where we separate between the two. Um, and even that there is similarity. The counsel Imam Ghazali Rahimullah, he mentions is that man's share, insan's share in hearing uh, is deficient. So know that our share in hearing is deficient because it is limited and can be broken. Whereas Allah ta'ala is absolute. We only perceive what is nearby and not everything that is audible. Um, ours are through tools and instruments, whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's are not. And this is the same for basir, right? That we, don't, we only see what is visible to us. And if it's too far, too close, we can't even see it. And we can't see through anything. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's is absolute. And even if something that we hear, if it's too loud, if it's too quiet, we don't hear it. If it's too loud, it could destroy our hearing. Whereas nothing affects Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that way. He says that the religious gain is two things, right? You can say that for basir also. If something is too dark, you can't see it, right? If there's not enough light there, you can't see it. But if it's too bright in your eyes, it could cause you to go blind, right? So he says that our religious gain is twofold. Number one, to realize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears, so we should watch our tongue. Know that He hears everything, so we should watch our tongue. So when we get into an argument or when somebody says something insulting to us and they walk away and they can't hear what we might utter from our tongue, know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hears it. Right? Number two, know that our hearing was only created so that we can hear the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Qur'an, but the words of the Prophet, so that we can hear what is in the Quran and that which will benefit us and take us to guidance. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us ears and allows us to hear. So, we should not use these. These are a, a ni'mah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are a bounty for us. right? Ask the person who in his old age has difficulty hearing. Ask the person who can't hear. This is a bounty, right? This is a bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's given us a favor. So we should only use it to hear that which is good. We shouldn't allow ourselves to go to, to be in environments and gatherings where things, bad things are being spoken about. We shouldn't use our ears for these types of things. right? And similarly, um... For Basir, he says that the gain for this is also twofold. Number one, that sight is created to gaze upon the signs and the wonders of the heavenly kingdoms. So Allah Ta has given us eyes so that we can look at the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and take heed from it, take a lesson from it, understand the greatness and the grandeur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So even if you go sightseeing, This can be an ibadah. Go sightseeing. Go look at the most beautiful things, the mountains and the oceans and, you know, whatever. Even things that insan has created, right? Has uh, erected, built. Look at these things. And then remember that, look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created all of these things. He allowed us to create these types of things. How grand is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Then that sightseeing becomes an ibadah for you also, right? That's the rahmah and the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Second, the second is to realize that the one is uh, that one is seen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to not underestimate the surveillance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right now, regarding the first thing, to look at the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and reflect. A narration is reported regarding Isa salam, where somebody asked him, that is there anyone that is like you? Is does anybody resemble you? And he said, Isa, salam, he said that the one whose gazing serves as an admonition. Meaning when they look at things, they take a lesson, a warning, a sign from it and the one whose silence is for reflection, and whose speech is for remembering Allah, and when he sees things, he knows that that thing is not Allah, but that it is from Allah, then that person resembles me. So if we use our sight and these other things to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this is the person that resembles me. Right. So the second point was to, the second uh, benefit, religious gain, was to not underestimate the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Surah Al-Fajr, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, "Inna Rabbaka, labil That indeed, your Rabb, your Lord, He is ever watchful over you. What does "mirsad" mean? It doesn't just mean ever watchful. Oh, Allah Taala watches you. Okay, He's watching me. Great. What does "mirsad" mean? "Mirsad" is that individual, that thing that looks at another, at its object, with so much intent and concentration. It is a, a hunter. Staring down its prey just before it pounces, right? So that predator that's about to pounce on its prey, how much intent and concentration? Oblivious to a sense of everything else around it, yet completely in focus of whatever is pertaining to this one thing, right? Or a hunter, just before he fires the shot at his prey, right? He's got his hand on the trigger and he's about to pull. Everything that's related to, that, to his target becomes so focused and everything other than it, he becomes completely oblivious. Like that much concentration. You can understand how much concentration that is? <laughs> Allah Ta'ala is watching you like that. He watches every single one of us like that. But our hearing and our sight, when we focus in on something, it distracts us from something else. Right? Try to, How many of us have been reading something on our phone? And we're trying to listen to somebody talk to us at the same time. Anyone's done this? All of a sudden, after a few minutes, they'll ask you a question, and you're just looking at them like, what the heck is this person talking about? Right? So we become distracted by our sight and our hearing when we focus on one thing. Allah Ta'ala, He looks at all of us with this much concentration, but He's not distracted by it. So He looks at every single one of us like this. Right? And Imam Ghazali, he says that, insolent is the one who sins despite knowing that Allah sees him. And profane is the one who thinks Allah Ta'ala cannot see them so insulin, this is complete disrespect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you sin despite knowing that Allah can see you and what's worse is the person who thinks Allah ta'ala cannot see him right then the hadith comes to mind wherein right we recited for the hadith of jibril where uh, where uh, jibril sam he asked rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam about you know what is ihsan right ihsan is that science of tasqiyat nafs purification of the heart comes from it and <coughs> rasulullah responded to him saying what that what was it? Worship Allah, What's the Arabic? Oh, no. Um, and ta'bud Allaha la haka anna katara, in lam tara in the yara right? No, uh, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ta'bud Allaha. worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, canna katara as though you see him Fainlam in lam in lam tara uh the yaraq. That if you do not see him, know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees you. Know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees you. And we've shared this before, I think, that this hadith. And also, you know, Sayyidina Ali what did he say? That, you know, if Jannah and Jahannam were to be brought in front of me, it wouldn't change the way I act. Right? Imagine if, if we said that, yeah, I, I wouldn't change the way I act. That, usually that, that probably entails we're trying to be bold in the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Ali, Sayyidina Ali he said that. Because he was acting the way Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala wants him to act, right? He was pleasing to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. So, because he recognized, he worshipped Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and the rest of the companions, right? They worshipped Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala as though they saw him. And if they couldn't reach that level, they knew that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala watched them, could see them, right? So you have basir. Then you have another aspect, and we'll wrap it up. Basira. So, what's the difference between basir and basira? Basir is to see something, right? But basira is to see with the inner eye of the heart. To be able to perceive things which the eyes cannot perceive. That is basira. Right? And that is something we have to tap into. And that the more we bring our nafs down, the more strength we will give to our ruh, our soul. And then that basira will be will become more of a reality. Right? So regarding this, there's a hadith narrated by Abu Hurairah, it comes in Bukhari, that Rasulullah ﷺ said, in a hadith Qudsi, right? Those hadith Qudsi, you guys know what that is? That's those hadith that uh, Rasulullah mm-hmm. reports that Allah Ta'ala has narrated this. Allah Ta'ala has said this to me, but it's not a verse of Qur'an. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, من, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, وليyan, uh that whoever harms a wali of mine, Fakad, Adantuhu, then uh, uh بالحرب, then indeed I, I proclaim war upon that individual. And he goes on saying, Wa matha bi that Nobody, my slave does not come closer to me with anything more beloved ilayya to me mimma Tarattu alay, except uh, than that which I have made obligatory upon him. So my slave does not come closer to me with anything more beloved to me than doing what I've made obligatory upon him. وَمَا يَزَالُ عَبْدِي يَتَقَرَّبُ bin بِالنَّوَافِلِ And he continues, my slave continues coming closer to me with... Superrogatory nawafil action. So he does what is required of him, and then he does what is not required of him, and he comes closer to me, hatta or until to such an extent that I love him, faida ahbabtuhu. And when I love him, kuntu samghul yesma Then he, be, then I become the ears with which he hears, wa wa uh, And I become the eyes with which he sees, wa yadahu and the hands with which he strikes بها, And the feet with which he walks la uh, لأ, uh, And if he asks me of anything Then I will give him استع, uh, استعادني, And if he seeks refuge in me uh, إذنه, Then I will grant him protection and I do not hesitate in anything. Regarding what I do to my slave, except to hesitate in taking the in taking his the soul of that believer. Yakrahu'l mota wa ana akrahu He dislikes death, and I dislike to cause him any pain. So when we become beloved to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, we become Allah Taala becomes the ears with which we see, the with which we hear, the eyes with which we see, the feet with which we walk, the hands with which we move and strike and do things. So. Do we take this literally and say, Oh, Allah Ta'ala, He becomes my hand and He becomes my foot and He becomes my ears and my eyes? No, right? We don't take... We will take literal interpretations of Quran and Hadith unless it doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense here <laughs> to take it literally. So what does this mean? That our desires and our wants and our needs, our desires become what Allah Ta'ala desires of us. What, what, become, our, what pleases us uh, is what pleases Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, right? Or sorry, what would please us is that which pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning, obedience to Allah becomes easy for us. And disobedience to Allah, staying away from disobedience becomes easy for us. That everything we do is in accordance with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants of us and what pleases Him. That's the level that we reach. Right? And that's, and then this basira will come to light. So that is what we have to strive for. And that's the share that we can take from as sami and al-basir. Any questions? Yes? No? You sure? No question? Yeah, just, uh, yeah. So uh, the literal meaning of uh, Basir is um, the all-seeing? Uh, the the all-seeing, all all yeah. All yeah. And, uh, what about samia samia is the all-hearing. The all-hearing? Yeah. Um, yeah. So how does it relate to Basir? Because it's like perceived things which the eyes can't see. How does that relate to so there, there's a word basir, which is to see, right? And basirah, right? It has that round ta at the end. This, this, this is a step beyond basir. Because basir, basir, like if we have basir, right? And we can see something. Basirah is to see with the eye of the heart. So even though we can look at something in front of us, we can realize that this, what we're seeing is a deception or that what we're seeing is uh, that we... we see something that isn't, doesn't look like it's the reality, right? or rather to see the reality of something, right? So I can go, uh, I can be nice to an individual, but inside I hate the person, right? If they see with their inner eye, then they can understand, you know, this person just does doesn't like me, right? That's a, a simple aspect. The greater example is what? Like Dajjal. When he's coming and he is deceiving everybody, the person who has been obedient to Allah, who has rectified his heart and has given birth to this basira, will be able to recognize Dajjal. So Dajjal, it is said that he will have the words uh, kafir, disbeliever, written on his forehead. Some people have said that this is not uh, literal, that he won't actually have it. Some people have said it's as though it will be so obvious to those who are beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that it's as though they would be able to see it written on his forehead. Because there's also going to be Blind people, right? So, what? Oh, the blind person, tough luck, man, you can't see that in his forehead, right? No, they're going to see with that inner eye, right? They'll see with that inner eye. So, Basira is a step beyond Basar, beyond just seeing, but it's to see the reality beyond what our eyes can perceive. Does that make sense? Any other questions? Ya Allah, forgive us of our sins, Ya Allah, that which we have committed in the depths of the night, in the privacy of our homes. Ya Allah, when we are all alone, Ya Allah, forgive us of those sins which we have done in the day and in in public, and those which we have done openly, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us for our minor sins and major sins. Grant us the tawfiq and the taqwa and refrain from those sins again. Ya Allah, protect us from sinning. Ya Allah, make us beloved to you and beloved to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Let us love you and let us love Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ya Allah, make us such that you become the eyes with which we see and the ears with which we hear and the feet with which we walk. Ya Allah, let, obedience be easy, let, let, let our obedience to you be easy for us and let disobedience be hated to us and make it easy for us to stay away from it. Ya Allah, all those that are sick around the world, Grant them a full cure, Ya Allah, and remove their sickness. And grant them patience and sabr and ele- elevate them in their status to you, Ya Allah. And grant them hidayah, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, guide us, guide our parents, guide our teachers, guide our mashaykh, Ya Allah. Protect us and protect our parents and our teachers and our mashaykh. Protect our progeny and their progeny, Ya Allah. All those that have passed, forgive them their sins. Any, any difficulties that people have, remove their difficulties. And whatever pure needs and desires they have, grant them their needs, Ya Allah, Ya Allah. We beg of you for all the good that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa begged of you for. And we seek refuge in you from all the evil that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sought refuge in you from. Allahumma aghnina bil ilm, wazayinna bil hilm, Akrimna bil taqwa, wajammilna bil afiyah. Allahumma innan asaluka min khairi ma asalaka minhu nabioka Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, sallam. Wa na'udhu bika min sharri ma taatha minhu nabioka Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa antal musta'an wa alayka albalaag wa la hula wa la quwata illa billahi la aliyyil azim. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma I don't know if we'll get through two names next week. When is finals? Week after, right?